Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, and we are talking Penn State basketball today. Um, this episode may get a little weird because Chad Markulix is here. Chad, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? Penn State basketball is going on because Penn State basketball never stops. Uh, Dan Smith is also here. Dan, how you doing? Yeah, better than Penn State basketball. How you doing, Bill? Better than Penn State basketball too, but not as good as Eric Gibson. Garrick, eh, eh, yeah, I can't speak today. Eric, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, Penn State basketball is in kind of a weird spot right now. The Nittany Lions are six and five after uh, eleven of thirteen non-conference games. The team still has St. John's coming up this weekend and Morgan State in their uh, annual game against a team that isn't especially good in front of a one fifth pack Bryce Jordan Center on Wednesday. Uh, before we get into that, again, the team is 6-5, six, six wins, beat Duquesne, Grand Canyon, Colgate, George Washington, Georgia Tech, and Wright State. Uh, and the losses are kind of weird. They lost to Albany, Duke, Cincinnati, George Mason, and Pitt. Uh, yeah, Chad, we're, we're kind of just going to do a little free-flowing thing here. So let's start with just what do you want to talk about? Like, I think you mentioned that Pitt game. Yeah, the pick game is kind of a, a microcosm of the season so far. They, um, when they've looked really bad, they've looked uh, horrendous. The first half against Pitt was uh, pretty abominable. They, they were down uh, 24 points at one point and just looked like they had no idea what to do offensively, no idea how to stop Pitt. Um, in the second half, they, they pulled together a little bit. They scored 52 points in the second half, which uh, was impressive for a team that hasn't had a lot of success offensively. Uh, especially shooting the ball, um, but they found a way to get inside with Mike Watkins, um, and and the freshmen started to pick it up a little bit. But um, it's just it's just a weird uh, weird mix of of players right now. Where you have these talented freshmen and just not a lot of of help from them really when Shep Garner and Peyton Banks aren't playing well. So um, it's just it's, I don't know. It's just a weird weird situation right now with with these young guys and trying to get them uh, acclimated to the Big Ten style of play. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys saw the game. Eric, what'd you think about? I mean, I was going to ask you, is it weird because you think that Rutgers has an argument that they're better than Penn State right now? They do. They have an argument. Is is that that why it's a weird season that Penn State somehow already? It's incredibly weird. Yeah. Seemingly in the basement of the Big Ten and the conference play hasn't even started. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is a, it's, it's an interesting time right now. Uh, Um, like you said, like integrating these freshmen who, um, clearly are the most talented players on the team. Um, I don't think that's an unfair statement. And, it, and it's been nice to see them give the keys to the, the freshmen so early, but with that co- obviously comes the inconsistency, the growing pains, um, the the stupid fouls that you know lead to inconsistent minutes because of foul trouble. Um, so we've already seen the freshmen kind of go through some up and downs already here in the 11 games that they've played in the non-conference. Um, Tony Carr right now is has been struggling pretty hard, um, especially offensively with his shot selection. Um, his shooting percentages are pretty terrible. Um, but you saw in the pit game, though, they kind of, in that second half, finally kind of started breaking through there um, with some full-court transition uh, buckets. That's usually his game, get out and transition, tack the, tack the rim, finish at the rim. But... Um, Hopefully we can see them turn around. But the problem is, though, is behind them with these veterans that came back. Um, I think all of us were expecting at least some some more production than they're giving right now. 
um, which is virtually nothing outside of, I mean, you know, Josh Reese had his injury, so he was out for the first half of the the season. But ever since he's come back, they got him and, and Banks um, that are kind of rotating in and out of the starting lineups right now. But other than them, um, Terrence Samuel's given them some good minutes from time to time. He's had a couple of good games. Uh, but, you know, guys like Julian Moore, Davis, uh, um, Isaiah Washington, we haven't even seen him. Um, they've kind of really not been existent and haven't been able to support these freshmen when they go through those growing pains. Um, and that's really just been – it's that's been a letdown to see so far, um, especially since you kind of hope that, like, with less pressure on them, with the more talented players – um, that they'd be able to maybe contribute in lesser roles, but that hasn't happened so far. So that's kind of the big concern I have about this team is, is not only are they young with the freshmen, but they don't really they can't really rely um, on the 10, 11-man rotation that they were hoping to have at the beginning of the season. Right now it's already down to like an eight-man rotation. Isn't that, isn't that right? I haven't looked box score I mean, watching Against here. the pick game, they played – I mean, it was pretty much a six-man rotation with – Stevens, Garner, Carr, Reeves, Watkins, and Banks. Uh, Terrence Samuel got nine minutes. Julian Moore got seven. Yeah, uh, and not even really in foul trouble. Any of those other guys? It's just it's just the point where Pate, where Pat just trusts those six guys to play against a, a team like Pitt, which is and it was it, there was a brief period of time in the first half where Zemgulis, Moore, and I think Bosick were all out in the court at the same time, and that was one of the stretches where they were really just getting absolutely steamrolled. Um, it's hard. I mean, I was at that game in Newark. It's hard to describe how disappointing it was coming off of a really well-played game between Villanova and Notre Dame to sort of set the stage for this game between Penn State and Pitt. You've got a half hour between the games where the arena empties. There's no excitement from any neutral party to see Penn State and Pitt play. You come back, the arena's a, you know a third full it's mostly Pitt fans, and then Penn State comes out and just looks as bad as any team I can remember looking in a half of basketball there. They were lucky to only be down, I think it was 20 at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just, to go from from that to that was, uh, you know, it was, you know, you're, I'm, I'm starting to text people, you know, wondering aloud, like, is this, you know, is this going to be it for Chambers? You know, because it, it's, it got to, you know, coming off of the second half of the George Mason game, Man, it, 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 the context of that, it, it was hard to, to imagine it getting lower than it was in the first half of the pit game. Yeah, and let's, let's kind of take, go from this pessimism to a little bit of optimism for a sec. And I think the second half of the pit game showed why this team, when it's playing well, I don't want to say it could play with anybody, but it looks like it could... It could really bug some teams that are just straight up better than them. Uh, I'm, yeah, I, they scored what fifty one second half points or something like that. Like it was a really good second half performance out of the team. And Dan, you were there. Like, just what was different? Was it an energy thing? Was it a thing that they were doing differently on the court? And what lessons can they take from that game and apply them uh, as we're getting? You know, they have a game against St. John's and Madison Square Garden, and then they have the uh, a game against a Morgan State team that probably terrifies Chad, and then the Big Ten slate. I mean, I, I'm not looking at the box score for it right now, but it just I, I, it's hard for me to even be optimistic about that because the way it was done, as I recall, was essentially, 
you know, don't take Mike Watkins off the floor. Yep. And that's unsustainable. You know, it, it, Mike Watkins can't play, you know, 35 minutes a night. He's not going to be able to do it. Uh, you know, he's not, it's, it's, an, it's an, a completely unrealistic expectation to have. But when Julian Moore is on the floor playing the five, this is not a power five basketball team. It just simply is. And that's how bad he's been so far this season. And most of the second half of that game, it was a Mike Watkins takeover. And it still wasn't enough. Um, and, you know, that, that – so, yeah, they looked a lot better. But they looked better in a way that, you know, they can't be for extended enough stretches in games this season with this group. That makes me think that, you know, it, it's going to get that much better. You know, maybe, you know, are, are Carl and Stevens going to get more consistent as they go along? I could certainly see the case for that. They're going to be t- facing tougher competition on a regular basis once they get, in, get into conference play. We're going to need to see Garner, uh, you know, play a little bit of a smarter game. We're going to need, you know, Banks to, you know, pick and choose his spots wisely, which I think he's been starting to do a better job of. Um and you're going to need Samuel to give you a lot of minutes. You're going to need Reeves to really pick things up. But you're asking for a lot of things to go right that aren't going right right now. And you're asking more than anything for Julian Moore to suddenly become a competent backup five. And there's no evidence that that's possible right now. So, unfortunately, you tried to do a transition on optimism. I give you credit for it. I just <laughs> couldn't bring it there. <laughs> All right. Uh, can either uh, Eric or Chad, can either I mean, I'm, I'm a li- I'm a little bit more optimistic, at least with the freshmen. They're going to get better for sure. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that the freshmen at least um, – maybe not meet expectations because, you know, like I said, they've had some bad losses already with the George Mason, George Mason and the Albany losses. But, you know, we, you knew there was going to be struggles. You knew there was going to be, like, some bad games or whatever. I think they've been kind of – like, they've met my expectations in the sense that they're for real and they have real potential. So – they're going to get better as the season goes on. But the problem is, though, behind them, I don't have any faith in anybody getting better. I mean, that might be a bit extreme, but, like, I don't know. It's just – it has not been good. Julian Moore has looked awful. Uh, Davis has not been good. Um, his shot looks flatter this year than it did last year, and it was flat last year. Um, so it's, it's just it's just disappointing. They seem like – you look at the roster from just, like, a talent standpoint, and they just seem to have – all these really athletic types um, who really can can cause some problems um, defensively, but you know the shooting is just it's still it's still not there. And and the hope was for you know Shep Garner to potentially be an All Big Ten player this year, um, and because we you know he had some great stretches last year, like last his last five games or whatever when he was averaging twenty points and shooting really well from three. Um, he had that huge outburst against Boston College last year. We, we've seen him have some monster scoring games. Um, and his numbers so far aren't bad, but like he just hasn't been good enough um, to even be considered like an all-Big Ten player, which, which I kind of was hoping this, this team needs that leader. Um, right now they got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things, but there's not that alpha, um, that guy that, who, like, you know, who, who would be Penn State's go-to guy? I mean, sometimes you can make the case that that's good, um, having multiple options, but, but like right now, like who who would be Penn State's go-to player in a, in a close game? I mean, Big Ten's coming up in a couple weeks. Who, who are you going to? Yeah, Chad, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm going to Shep, but like like you said, there's there's something to that definitely that there's just not an alpha dog in this team. Yeah, uh, but he hasn't been like a knockdown. 
You know what I mean? Like he's had open right. looks and he hasn't been an automatic knockdown shooter, which has been right. and you frustrating for point, me. At this point in his career, you expect him to, you know, fill that role and be that, you know, with that, the move off the ball, the like, uh, Tony Carr play point guard, you think he'd be, you know, a much better shooter than, than the 37 or so percent he's been at the last couple of years. But I mean, right now he's at three, uh, 35%, which you like to see go up. And I'm sure it will at some point, you know, once Carr gets more comfortable and, and yeah, you, I mean, there, yeah, he's definitely struggled to kind of try and do, uh, find his role next to Tony, um, in fairness to them, uh, like trying to, you know, it seems like Tony's kind of been given the keys to be more of the point guard, but, um, for Shep, that's an adjustment and he's still trying to be, like, I think Shep wants to be the leader and he's trying to find how to be the leader, but he just hasn't been the leader yet. Um, so hopefully that's 11, it's 11 games into it. And like, realistically they have, they have, you know, 40 more games to figure this out before the next season, which is when, you know, the big, the, the big year for Chambers is next year, I would say. I think I'm sure he'll get this year just because he has his entire team coming back. But, um, you know, they, they have time to work this out. It's not a do or die situation this year, which is, you know, luckily for Chambers, he has that leverage, I think, with, with Sandy Barber. But um, back to your point about just the talent, the amount of talent that we have in this roster. You know, you look at a roster like Pitts, it's not, it, you know, there are not a lot of top 100 kids on that roster. You have even, you know, look at some guys like Cameron Johnson, Ryan Luther. They're from, you know, Western PA, close to Pittsburgh area, but they were not like, um, you know, these big time recruits that, you know, either Lamar Stevens, Tony Carr was. Um, but, you know, guys like that would have a, a really big role to play on Penn State's roster. And we just don't have, you know, anybody who's filling that kind of role. You know, you don't have a guy that can come on, come in and play 15 minutes of solid minutes. Like, you know, uh, Terrence Samuel hasn't been consistent enough to do that. I don't think. And there's just not that knockdown shooter either that, you know, Cameron Johnson is, which, would be great for, for this type of team, especially. So, um, you know, just the way the roster is constructed is just not uh, conducive to have, you know, these three freshmen come in who just really aren't, um, even even Josh Reeves, who are just not great shooters. So it's kind of the offense they're, they're playing right now in the half court especially is just really disjointed and not not flowing right. Yeah, so let's, I, I, let's talk about this team's biggest issue and how it can it, correct. Can go, we go ahead, one, for one moment before we yeah, uh, wrap up? Because I, I respect uh, we're going to go to the, the larger points. But there's one more thing on the pick game that was that was particularly uh, grating when you're in the arena for the game was um, there was a pit fan a few rows behind me. <laughs> uh, a woman who shrieked, let's go pit about every three seconds for most of the game, almost every time the ball was live in play, and then even during some timeouts as well. So I just wanted to uh, play a clip. That, it was that for <laughs> behind me. And that's, that's on my phone, like, tucked in my pocket. That's how loud she was the entirety of the game. Like, people were moving to different sections to avoid her. Um, and, and like the, and the arena was doing nothing to help. They like, they like showed her on the big screen, which just encouraged her more. And she's like, she starts shrieking again and everything. So you add that on top of, um, on everything else that was going on. I just wanted to, to, I I felt like I couldn't go through this podcast without mentioning the torture that I went through at that game, uh, which was about 15%, the poor first half by Penn State, about 85% that 
redheaded woman from the Pit Panthers fan base. So, uh, yeah, destroyed an offense. Go ahead, please. How, how was well? <laughs> f- first things first. Let's. Uh, how was uh, how was John Rothstein during the game? Oh my god! So, <laughs> so first of all, like I, I, I have to imagine I, I did not have as good an angle on him because it was very crowded um, for the the Nova uh, Notre Dame game. I have to imagine he must have been pretty engaged in that. It was on network television, you know. He's doing it with Raftery, but for the mo- most part of the the Penn State Pitt game. He's just on his phone the whole time, like reading through his <laughs> timeline and everything. But the best part was like the last like five minutes of the game. He like starts like like doing that like you know when you're standing around and you're sort of like you're not pacing but you're sort of like shuffling in place and you're clearly like disinterested and bored and just want you want to get a move on like like he was standing in line at the DMV or something. He's standing over there like that and he's and he literally started like pacing and he had like just this clear like whole body language everything was like i want to get out of here as quickly as i possibly can and penn state's like sort of mounting a vague comeback and like they're taking fouls and stuff and he's so mad he's like seething it was it was it it made some of it worth it just to see him him like throwing a mini temper tantrum over the fact that he had to stay around for penn state pit all right well um yeah i was like looking through his twitter and i was trying to like link it up with the game and it seemed like every time he did not tweet about the game at all no 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 he tweeted about something every commercial i think and none of them had anything to do with the game it was it was fantastic and and you know the only reason he was tweeting during the commercial was because he definitely has some sort of missive from them that says like you cannot tweet during the game oh yeah absolutely but he was on his phone the whole time I saw him watching a game maybe twice of the when I looked over to see him. He was always on his phone. Got to get those scoops, man. He was on his yeah, phone see, deciding which, which, a, which. He was on his phone deciding which of his five tweets he wanted to tweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was just waiting to see a bye game and in uh, an upset. <laughs> That's all he was waiting for. He's going back and forth between checking the scores on the bye games to see if the epitome of brutality rears its <laughs> ugly head, or. If he gets a press release from some school that uh, somebody's transferring, well, he was also probably making. Well, no, he probably made his dinner plans like three weeks in advance of this one, and I actually didn't go back and check and see if I could find out what he was eating. So. Also, checking his calendar to see if it was March. Well, it's Just always case. March, Chad. Right. All right. So uh, now that we're uh, we got that out of us, uh, let's talk about what this team does poorly and how it fixes those issues this year. Unless their big issues are things that can't be fixed this year, they're not things that can be fixed with uh, more experience, with uh, playing against other competition, whatever it would be. So, uh, Chad, let's start with you. What is this team's biggest issue in your mind, and how do they fix that? I mean, can they get Satchel Pierce eligible for this next semester? That would be a start. (laughs) Um, I mean, Dan was talking about it before, but Julian Moore has just been, you know, dreadful, really. He, he is a, a he's shooting uh, nine of twenty eight from the field as a six foot ten player. Um, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. And Chad, know, are not, you looking? You are you looking at his season stats? Just what is his uh, Ken yeah. Palm tur- turnover rate right now? Turnover rate thirty four point four, the highest on the team. Second highest on the team behind Isaiah Washington, 64.2% turnover rate. 
right, so yeah, he's had a bad, he's had a rough start. <laughs> we don't need to kill Julian on here. Julian's a nice kid. Julian's no, a very nice guy, I'm he's sure. He's a nice guy. He's he's yeah. a, and a and a very tall, lanky college student. Yeah, but like honestly, for for Bill's like original question though, um, we're gonna. It's kind of like an interesting time right now. I, mean, I know you guys have seen, um, and it's kind of like a growing trend going in college basketball is the mid year transfer. Um, since since players are so sick of having to sit out a year, um, they're bailing on teams already this year, and they're willing to sit out so hopefully they can come back for next conference season in 2017. So you know you, you sitting here and you you will see kind of what heat Chambers is feeling. Um, you know if, you, if we want to talk about the big picture or whatever, um, you know we'll see if they try to bring in a mid year transfer here because it's going to have to happen in the next couple of weeks. Uh, before the next semester starts, they have that Joe Hanson scholarship open. Um, you know, perhaps maybe there's something like they're pursuing other, other. You know, we're talking about unfixable talents or whatever. Um, they need some shooting. Uh, there's there's a scholarship there, so I don't know. It could be an interesting uh, winter break here. Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I mean. Do you think they would do? I mean, it, you would think it makes sense think. just because, like, you would imagine that they wouldn't want to save that scholarship for the 2018 class, but they if also Pat, haven't if Pat really get it fixed. There's not going to be a 2018 class for him to repeat, Yeah, exa- exactly. So. That's why. And you also, like, they've been kind of quiet on the 2017 trail, even though they have a scholarship open. So. I hadn't thought about that. That's actually uh, an interesting point, Eric. Yeah, I mean, because then theoretically this transfer would be eligible for next conference season if, if we all think this two-year clock or whatever is is what it is. If he wants to have someone to try to make that tourney run with him next year or whatever, he would be theoretically eligible after finals uh, um, 2017 or whatever, right? Is, is yep. that the right mm-hmm. year? So there you yep. go. That is we'll I, that is correct because I recall from the uh, as the uh, Flip Johnson schedule. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Dan, uh, let's go to you. Like, what do you think this team's biggest issue is, and how do they like how do they fix this? Well, I mean, I've already touched on um, the post you know, Yeah, I mean, it, it's not having a backup big man is is probably the biggest issue i mean it's and it's hard to uh, ignore the elephant in the room which is that they they just can't shoot at all um you know but i i I think right now the biggest thing is it's the they'll and we and chad touched on it was um just the lack of cohesion on the on the offense in the half court offense um because the transition offense has been okay um but they're just not they're not running anything on on the offensive side of the ball and this has always been a little bit of a criticism um and you know it, it, they're still not at a place where they have the ideal personnel to do all of these things but you know you've got to try some things um you know whether it's you know running more plays where you know you're setting screens or just anything you know this just passing it around and doing a cut and, and all that stuff you know it did you're, they're just like dribbling out the shot clock, waiting for you know one of the freshmen to go one on one on somebody. You know that there's a, people were saying the shot selection was bad. Yeah, it was bad, but it's also like you're getting down to five seconds in the shot clock in a lot of these cases. No wonder that it's going to be bad is because it's just a guy going one on one and trying to pull up and take a seventeen footer. You know, it, it's 
they they got to try to do and if, and if it, if they try it and it doesn't work you go all right we got you know we got to go back to the drawing board we got to try more you know inside outside stuff when Watkins is in the game and then you know just hope that we can we, we can survive on transition offense once Moore's in the game which is tough too because Moore's rebounding is not too good down low either um, which which just hurts the you know that's that's been part of the problem too is they really want to get out in transition because the F court offense is so stagnant and their defensive rebounding has been so bad especially when Watkins has been off the court that they can't even get started on that because you need to get it you know a lot of the time to get that started you need to get it off of a defensive board or a turnover and you know they're not forcing a ton of steals they're not getting they're they're, they're getting it killed on the on the defensive boards. Uh, you know, it's all you know going back to their them putting themselves in a situation where they need to stay in games in the half court offense, and that's the biggest weakness of of their you know general you know whole team outlook is the half court offense. Yeah, the rebounding really turned that game around against Pitt. They really they started the rebound in the second half and kept Pitt off the you know. They Watkins played almost the whole second. Yeah, I was gonna say exactly. how, many, how many second half rebounds do Watkins have? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm, it, it's just weird watching this team because, and this is something that Eric and I, uh, we talked about after the uh, Mason. George Mason game. Yeah, this team is built around, like, it's expecting that three of its biggest contributors are going to be a true freshman, a, another true freshman, and then a redshirt freshman, all of whom are really not used to uh, getting punched in the mouth all that much. And that that's just one thing that I think is an issue for this team. Like, these guys, I don't think they totally know what to do yet when they're in, you know, a close game, one of those games where everything slows down against, like, George Mason or Cincinnati or something like that. And I think that this is just something that it comes with experience. Like, you can, if you... It, if it registers with you, you can learn a lot from getting your ass kicked. And I think that we kind of saw that against Pitt, which was a little encouraging. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a really, like, what was the, yeah, they were down by 20 at half against Pitt. Like, and like one of you said, they were really lucky that it was only 20 because they didn't, like, it didn't seem like they deserved to be on the same floor as Pitt. It was ridiculous, but Whatever they did to adjust, which was probably just play Mike Watkins a lot more, which they should play as long as he's not getting into foul trouble, which, uh, da, da, da. fouls called for 40 minutes. Yeah, 3.9. Yeah, he's bad. been good. Yeah, he's, he's, been good he, he's no Donovan Jack. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a pleasant surprise that that he's already adjusted to that and staying out of foul trouble because yeah. um, he did show a, a little bit like he was going to be a problem early in the season. But, you know, then the problem is just, you know, he can only play so many minutes. You know, he's he missed an entire year. Uh, he's a big man. You know, he's not, he's not going to be able to play more than 30 minutes a night, you know, and, and – you know, what are you going to do at that point? You know, they've tried Lamar at the five. It's not a great fit. And, you know, Moore has just been, you know, uh, un, untenable whenever he's been in the game. They've just been really, uh, you know, they we, they obviously they don't break it down in college basketball numbers the way they do, you know, on the court, off the court, stuff like that. But, you know, when Moore's been on the court, it, they're, you know, they're, they just don't look like they can compete. Yeah, yeah I'm sure the plus and minus numbers are terrible <laughs> when Moore comes in, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish so, we had them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they exist somewhere on the web if we're just 
if we're able to take it out of the t-shirt budget, but we'll figure that out <laughs> off of uh, off the air. So let's look going forward. The team has uh, two uh, non-conference games left, one against St. John's, uh, one against Morgan State. We won't really worry about the Morgan State game because um, Penn State, no matter how weird this year has been, should be able to win that one. Although I am a little bit worried about uh, those those freshmen who, in addition to never really getting punched in the mouth, are probably not that used to playing games in front of crowds that don't care, and that's a game in front of the uh, legendary, um, how, do, how do I put it, nobody's here crowd that Penn State basketball gets once a year. So, Once a year? The, no, I mean like the one where absolutely no one goes as opposed right. to the normal. The students no aren't even there. Okay, yes. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, damn, they also have game on the 27th. Nice. It prepared them for the very cavernous feel at the Prudential Center with about 5,000 people in a 20,000-seat arena, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, they, they had already experienced that up in Mohegan for the yeah. Cincinnati game. <laughs> That's probably true. I actually did not see yeah, it. Yeah, I was at the, the, was at the Cincinnati games, game. There was yeah. nobody there. <laughs> yeah, Eric, just, uh, just for the record, what's uh, Penn State's record when you attend games? Yeah, I was, I mean, no, I didn't go to the pit game this past weekend, so whatever. But before that, I had seen all four of their losses in the flesh and not one of their wins. And so that might explain some of my pessimism as well, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm 0-2 right now. I was at Albany and then uh, Pitt, so. Um, and I'm, go- and I'm going to the Plus. I haven't no game yet, so. I haven't been to a game yet, but yeah, Plesser's going to be my first. So, all yeah, right. yeah, we're going to, and then we're all going to combine to make them lose in the in the Plesser. Clearly, yeah, like get all this bad luck together, and like time travel will be possible. It'll be a good time. Uh, so yeah, St. John's, what? Chad, what was that? St. <laughs> <laughs> John's, yeah, St. John's, uh, St. John's, uh, coached by uh, Chris Mullen. Uh, they're five and six. They have, I mean, if you think Penn State's wins aren't great, they've beaten Bethune, Cookman, Binghamton, Tulane, Cal State, Northridge, and Fordham. Uh, so, yeah, Chad, like, I know you're kind of worried about this. Well, I don't even want to say kind of worried. You're worried about this game. Why is that? Well, the good news is uh, St. John's hasn't beaten anybody, and they've lost to some pretty bad teams. They've lost to uh, Delaware State. Uh, last month, and they lost to LIU Brooklyn recently, uh, both of whom are sub uh, 280 teams on Kempom, uh, which is worse than any loss Penn State's had, uh, fortunately. The bad news is they're still rated ahead of Penn State in Kempom. Uh, they're 113th nationally. Um, it's a little surprising because I'm not sure where, you know, what they're actually good at, aside from three-point shooting um, and not getting their shots blocked on defense, or, or Blocking shots on defense with uh, Tariq Owens, but um, they ha- they're a lot like Penn State. They're a lot of young players, a lot of freshmen, a lot of transfers who are just getting their first action. Um, Marcus Lovett's been really good for them. Uh, he's just he's been out recently with uh, some kind of injury. Um, Shamori Pons is a really good freshman who who is competing for uh, Big East Freshman of the Year honors with uh, Miles Powell at Seton Hall. A uh, really good shooter. Um, you know, it's a lot, like I said, they're a lot like Penn State. They just have a lot of talent that hasn't really gelled yet. Um, and I am frightened of this game because it's it's going to be ugly. And um, I don't know if Penn State's equipped to, to beat a team like this in an ugly game. Oh, I can't imagine a worse matchup for Penn State than a team that's really good at three-point shooting either. Uh, yeah, precisely. 
Because that's still a problem. Well, Defending the three, it's still a problem. Chad, let me ask you this. Uh, When I'm looking at the adjusted tempo numbers, St. John's is 45th nationally, Penn State is 39th. Does the fact that this may be, even if it may be ugly, a faster game, doesn't that, does that give you a little bit of confidence considering the fact that Penn State basketball in the half court is a uh, special kind of horrendous? Well, the, the pace is one thing, but it's just a matter of, you know, is Penn State going to get these transition opportunities? They, they've, they've played a lot on, on half-court offense where they, they just take a quick shot for the sake of taking a quick shot. Um, if they can get out in transition and get good looks in transition, that's a lot different than, you know, getting up the court and getting it to Shep to launch a three with, with 20 seconds on the shot clock. So uh, if they can out-rebound St. John's, that's that's a huge component of whether they, they'll be able to win or not. St. John's is not really an especially great or terrible rebounding team either way. Um, but you know, I mean, look at you look at Penn State's uh, just the tempo numbers and their effective field goal percentage. It's it, it's really a, a big contrast because they're 284th nationally in effective field goal percentage at uh, 46.5 percent, which is not especially great, obviously. But they're still jacking up shots in in less than half the shot clock. So um, I would hope they'd have some sort of plan on offense to run that. You know that. Uh, Will be a little bit tougher to defend than just you know hero ball from one of the freshmen, or or any of the players really. So, um, St. John's, uh, you know, I don't know if they have much more of a plan offensively, but they they somehow get better looks um, because they're just shooting a lot better, and that's that's really the determining factor in whether or not teams are good shooting teams whether they get open looks because they have the talent. Penn State has the talent too. I think it's just not they're just not getting open looks for their players. I could argue that they get open looks. Yeah, think I. I don't know, man. I, you don't need to guard Josh Reeves at the three-point line. You don't need to guard <laughs> – I mean, you don't need to guard any of them like, with their percentages. That's true. Um, I, I don't think they force a lot of threes. I think that they're usually their three-point shot selection is pretty good. I do think that they've been forcing, especially you know, in the first half of that pick game, I thought they were forcing a lot of long twos that they didn't need to. Yeah, um, they, they would just even stop in their motion, and then it would just devolve into an ISO possession with one of the freshmen that ended in a terrible shot, and it was it was brutal, man. That first half was that first half on Saturday was pretty low. Yeah, I mean the the second half of George Mason uh, when they gave up defensively, and then the first half of Pitt where just you know everything they tried to do didn't work. Um, and then they and, stopped trying. I don't think I don't think that they stopped trying. I think I think they were frustrated. Um, I, I do think George Mason the second half was the only time that I truly think they stopped trying because you could just see th- that they were not really interested in playing help defense anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I was referring game. more to like stopping their they stopped running their offense and started but to. Yeah, I'm not sure what it. Lo- I mean, what it looks like when they're running their offense, other than when they they do the. Yeah, you're right. They, they don't run any. They don't run any set plays. It's all just. Seems like the freelance motion. From- it's a, it's a pretty standard motion, you know, pass and cut yeah. kind of thing, you know. And they right. go inside when Watkins is in the game, and when Moore is in the game, they don't go inside. Um, so it's it's unfortunately because of the, you know, in that sense, the personnel makes it very predictable. Exactly. But you know, they don't they don't run a ton of screens, and I I get it a little bit. You know, they don't have a ton of you know. What are you going to run a play for Shep Garner for? He's not going to be great taking it to the basket. You know, he's the guy you want to try to run a play for to get him an open look at three. But they're looking for that, mm-hmm. which is why I think going back to you know the inside outside game with Watkins is where you can you, you can sort of make some stuff happen. The transition game is where you can make some stuff happen. But you know, Watkins has to be on the floor for either of those things to to be working. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, let's... No, I agree, I agree yeah. with Dan. They definitely need to get uh, Watkins more involved, um, especially in the half court. And uh, what, let me ask you this. Do you think getting him more involved just makes the... Like, what does that do? What does that open up for uh, guys like Tony, guys like Lamar, guys like Shep, oh, well, guys just, like just moving the ball through the defense and making the defense rotate. Um, you know, again, like, like Dan was saying, just Julian, you can't rely on him to catch the ball sometimes or even get good position to be able to dump the ball in there just for him to swing the ball around or whatever to get the defense moving. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, And then that's why they just end up stagnating and then you just get crap shots and the ISOs. Like, I, yeah, I mean, when they talk about spacing, they talk about exactly what Eric's saying. More, even when he does catch a ball, gets pushed so far out of position that he's you know, out closer to the three-point line, and suddenly that's a whole part of the floor that you can't even use to try to use some motion and some yeah, old ball stuff not to get a guy's open looks. You know, because we're talking about what's Banks' best role in offense? It's just a, a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He can't do that unless he gets open. And how does he get open? Well, they don't run a ton of plays. They don't have a lot of other guys that command attention except for Watkins. And they, so the best way to get that is get the ball in the Watkins, have them have to put some help defense on him because he's good usually in a lot of these one-on-one matchups, and then maybe run some off-ball screens and stuff to get Banks an open look or get Garner an open look. That's you know th- Those are the three scoring options that you have. You know, out of a you know start of a standard play where you get the ball into Watkins, you can have Watkins take it himself if he likes the matchup, or you can have him kick out to two three point shooting options that they might be able to get open looks for if they run some off ball stuff. And there's other things you do. Obviously, you don't just do that. You have Carr try to take it to the basket. You have Stevens try to take it to the basket, but they have to be able to pick and choose their spots and not try to do it on every possession. Yeah, and Mike came in with a reputation as a great passer too. We haven't seen a lot of that yet. But I, you know, I want to see him become more of a focal point of that offense for sure, and, and get the ball in the post, and you know, make a decision where the, to kick it out for an open three if, if a double team comes, which you know, eventually they'll start coming if he keeps playing like he did against Pitt. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a wrinkle that, that this offense can can expound on. Yeah. I, think. I mean, I think the the best way to summarize it is that we want Carr and Stevens to get their looks when they come to them and not have to force it. And in mm-hmm. the last couple of games, this offense has too often been. Carr and Stevens trying to force it because they're the only guys who, you know, seem to, you know, have the ball in their hands later in the shot clock and, yeah. you know, ha- or have the threat of being able to drive to the basket. But when they know it's coming, you know, they're extremely ineffective, especially as freshmen. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's really briefly before we go talk about uh, the Big Ten slate. Uh, the team starts things on uh, December 27th against Northwestern in, again, what is going to be a beyond empty breaks Jordan Center. Uh, then they got Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan State, and then a bunch of more teams. Some of them are really no, good. Nobody cares. Yeah, no one really cares. Uh, let's just, let's just yeah. put it out there. How good do you guys think this team's going to do in the Big Ten? Uh, worse than I thought originally, so um, probably five, six wins. Yeah, right. And I say four, where are they coming five from? wins. Well, yeah. right now, uh, the projected record on the season from Ken. Palm, Don't look at it. Okay. Well, I'm looking at oh, it right it's, now. It's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Twelve okay. and nineteen right, on the how, year. Five and thirteen in conference play. Uh, favored against one team. Yeah, they're favored to win one in game. one game. Home against Rutgers. Not even favored on the road against Rutgers. Yeah. Road against Rutgers, Rutgers, Rutgers is not bad. Rutgers is not bad. Jesus. They yep. have a better chance. I mean, hold on, but well. you can't make the argument that Rutgers is not bad if you're going to make the argument Penn State is bad. I mean, they're about the same level right now. 
Yeah, Rutgers, I mean, yes, they've been racking up wins, but, they, you know, we all know they haven't played anybody. Right, they've jumped. Uh, Their one win is at DePaul, which whoop-de-doo. <laughs> they looked okay against Miami, in Miami. No, in fairness, yeah, in fairness, they looked okay. Um, and honestly, yeah. I'll, I'll give Rutgers a little bit of credit. I knew they would be better this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you always kind of see new coaches kind of come in. Um, I mean, they had some talent. Like, we know Sanders could play. Um, they had that Freeman guy that they were mm-hmm. raving about, but he got hurt last year, so he didn't play. Mm-hmm. And then they had the Kansas State transfer, and I, as I pull up their Camp Palm page, Johnson, that's their yeah. three big players. So I'm not surprised that they're better, um, but I don't think they're going to be any good in the conference. And Chad and I can tell you as Sixers fans that anytime you can get rid of Eddie Jordan, you're going to improve. <laughs> <laughs> like clockwork. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, by subtraction. <laughs> they're second in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. And they're they're third nationally in two point field goal uh, defense. So they had there's some things that they're really actually good at, which is stunning for Rutgers because they just you know last year look at them they were not they were you know one of the worst power five basketball teams ever, and now they made this huge improvement. I mean I mean you know, of course they haven't played anybody besides you know okay they haven't played anybody the Paul's not anybody but um, you know just the fact that these numbers are so good is is a really good sign for them Listen, and really yeah, troubling that was just eddie state. jordan trying to pad wins man come on yeah <laughs> I, I was gonna say like chad you say they haven't played anyone but a home game against a like team you know like, schedules are made out yeah. way in advance yeah, yeah. Like, what what okay so let's play a fun game where is malloy because i've it's literally a, it's never a d2 college or something who cares oh yeah yeah i don't know what the hell that school is um, malloy college it's is, probably in jersey I, actually wouldn't travel far Rock so are you guys are you guys saying that you disagree with Bill that this is a fun game? Oh God, it's gonna be a horrible game. Is it a, is it a college or a university? Or I guess it must be a college. <laughs> Listen, man, it, it's called Malloy College and it is in New York. So mm, not far. I've is it is it on uh, Long Island? Uh, I don't know. I've I am. I've lived in this area for well, I lived in that area for a large portion of my life, and I have literally never heard of Malloy College. So, uh, yeah, my good, this is this is a really fun schedule. I wish Penn State played something. Well, no, they kind of play things that are this bad every now and then. Neither here nor there. Uh, so yeah, out, outside of Rutgers, if you had to pick one or two games that you don't feel horribly unconfident in, which ones would you pick, Chad? Yo, I'd pick most of them. Really? Okay. Uh, Go- yeah, well, I mean, that's like that, if, if we want to like, get optimistic, I think really their optimism lies in the fact that this is a, a pretty down year for the Big Ten. That's true. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm not really impressed with a whole lot. Uh, Indiana's good. Um, Wisconsin should be good, and they've been playing pretty well. I know they had a couple early losses, but... Um, and Purdue has like such size; they're going to be good. But after those three teams, I mean, Michigan State's got their freshmen, but you know, I, like the rest of them don't look unbeatable at all. Um, yeah. There's only three top twenty, top thirty, Big Ten Ken Palm teams. Like that's, yeah. I'm sure we have to go back years to find that 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 it, few. And I'd say Illinois at home is a very winnable game. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a if very. You, if you want to go by Ken Palm percentages, most of these are like. 35 or better so i mean yeah i mean 35 that's yeah like you're a pretty good underdog there or whatever but they're not unwinnable i guess is what i'm trying to say northwestern minnesota though i mean they're, they're looking 
Yeah, so you know, we, we're making Minnesota, that big point. When I'm the, so uh, disappointed that Minnesota is decent. <laughs> I, I, I do know one, one thing that's going to make me just like Minnesota. Yeah, one thing that's going to make me lose my mind is if they start zero and six again. Like that. That just after like we were building up the fact that they they finally got a favorable conference draw. But you know, with how well Northwestern actually has been playing, like, oh my god, I do not want to start. Yeah. But I, I would just say this to Rutgers, and I, and this is advice that I, I read a long time ago. What's one is done, joy's soul lies in the doing. William Shakespeare said that. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> <laughs> and always count on Dan. <laughs> quote from William Shakespeare. By John Rothstein. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we're done here. Uh, uh, oh, yes. He gave us a Villanova basketball. It's like a Fortune 500 company. It runs itself tonight. That's good. Uh, yeah. So is there anything else that any of you want to talk about? Keep the faith. They're going to get better. Yes. Yeah, they'll get better. But, but, uh, they, 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 I don't know. but They have better. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, they're going to get better, but they definitely have to get better for sure. If, if how about this? If they play, we'll, we'll do one last quick question. Uh, if they play like they did in the second half against Pitt, they're running it through the post. The offense looks really efficient. They're rebounding teams like crazy. What is against a team like crazy? What is this team's ceiling? Oof. Seven. That's only like again. That it's hard to answer just because, like I said, the conference is so bad. So they can get some inflated win totals, but I don't. Their, their absolute best case scenario, which is that Watkins becomes a workhorse and can and can play, you know, thirty two, thirty three, thirty four minutes a game, um, and you know things start clicking on the outside. They start shooting the ball. Car and Stevens improve. You know, Reeves starts to regain his form. I could see eight wins. If every, everything goes right, everything goes right, I could see eight wins. If Peyton Banks learns how to rebound, that would be nice. Yeah, man. I, he's, that's he's, something shot that's, the, he's shot the ball well this year, but other than exactly. that. Exactly. It's, it's, it's flying it. under the radar how kind of – I mean, you look at Peyton's numbers, and it, it looks like he's having a great year. And honestly, his numbers are great, especially shooting the ball. But there's a lot of areas he has not been as good or as good as this team needs anyway. I mean – there are times where he's the five-man on the floor. I, I attribute a lot of their defensive rebounding problems to Peyton. Um, now, obviously, he, you can make I mean, he's doing, he's doing a nice job, and he's been awful defensive rebounder. There's no question. That's a good point to bring up. But Worse defensive rebounder than Chef Garner. He, the, the, proof's in the, the proof is here that he's doing a good job of picking his spots on offense because he's got the best turnover rate on the team, despite the fact that whenever he dribbles, I'm, I'm shouting yeah. profanity at my television. <laughs> Yeah, like it's, crazy. In it, it's it's insane to me that he has the best turnover rate, and it, it's it you know it is a testament to him knowing his role and knowing that he can't put the ball in the deck because oh my god when he does it it's uh, I, I I cannot handle it. Yeah, he's, I mean honestly, he's had some brutal ones this year. I feel like his season is like the ultimate numbers versus eyeball test right now because his numbers look great. I would t- like if you told me this these were going to be his numbers at the beginning of the year, I absolutely would have taken them. But the eye test just tells you differently because he's still throwing up. I mean, heck, one of his shots against the George Mason game was like banked in from the corner. Um, 
And it's just like, what? H- how is he so inconsistent from shot to shot? Blows my mind. I don't know. Yeah, man, is seven point two defensive rebound percentage. Man, I yeah, he just has been rebounding, and, and he's sometimes and he's, he's one of their big guys. Ends. Essentially, he's playing the four. He's yeah, playing he's, the four. he's, he's one of their you big can guys. obviously make the case that he shouldn't be relied to rebound as much as he's being re- relied to rebound on on this team. But he's definitely yeah. struggled. You know, especially well, like that's... with the more Banks lineups. Ugh. It's always been one of those damn if you do, damn it if you don't things on defense, and it goes it goes to why they struggle so much defending the three pointers that they have to do so much in terms of uh, you know help defense down low that it leads to you know guys getting open looks from three, and then when they go and hedge out in the three pointers, they get killed on the boards. You know, it's they it, 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 there's like no way to choose from, it, and it all goes back to the fact that they just don't have. The you know five guys a lot of the time that they can put out that all can play the positions they're playing, and it's a it's a tough spot to be in as a coach. But you know this is uh, this is the team you've built, and you sort of have to you know try to coach your way out of it at this point. Yeah, yeah, just like that George that George Mason game in particular with Banks, um, he was their leading scorer, um, so he got a lot of praise. Was like, oh, Peyton scored twenty one points. That that kind of like frustrated me because I was really frustrated with how he played that game. Um, especially like with, with the way George, that George Mason game went, they, George Mason, they're, they're very undersized. So on Penn State, whenever they would pass it to Lamar or Mike anywhere near the block, they, it was an automatic double team. Um, so for Penn State's freshmen, they couldn't handle that. They would just kick the ball out. And that's why they ended up shooting 28 threes in that game. So it's like, yeah, Peyton Banks had 21 points. He also took 12 shots. And George Mason forcing Penn State to shoot all those threes and then – Penn State predictably not being a good enough shooting team to win the game shooting all those threes. That was uh, it was just frustrating for me. So Payne Banks, I think that's what's really my frustrating part is, is watching some of these players for so long now. They're, they're just like, I don't know, they're polarizing to me. I shouldn't be like so frustrated with them, but they can be really tough to watch sometimes. I don't know. This team's weird. Yeah, so I think that's probably... Sorry, I just went on like a rant there. That, I was going to say, I feel like that's probably the best place to end this one because I can't imagine anything topping that. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, buy shirts, follow us on social media, enjoy the site, blah, blah, blah. All that, take care everyone, and please, for the love of God, Penn State basketball beat St. John's this weekend. So yeah.